This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Justin Higgins, Christian Walker, Stephen Howland, DDP McCarthy, Charles Muir. Is that Muir or Meyer? Meyer, Muir, Muir, Muir? Charles Muir Space Station, Daniel Berg, and Scott Veach. They are the Greendale Seven, and they have been expelled from Greendale Community College. But this one goes out to them. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. Have you listening to the Major Spoilers podcast? Podcast. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 495 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Only five issues to go before we hit the big 500. Woo, five to 500. As you can tell, we still have... And our resident Dalek over there in the corner. He's going to make sure we don't get to 500. Man, it sounds so much better when everything's screwing up like that. I blame the internet. I blame the internet for these problems. Um, I'm sure that if you throw enough money at it, though, there's probably a fix somewhere. Where exactly do you put the money in to fix uh, it? We in we get you enough put it people. In the, in this mm-hmm. drive. No, no, it's it's a simple. We get enough people to donate. Yeah, yeah. Enough people to use our Amazon link. Enough mm-hmm. people to go over to slashloot.com right. and buy our critical hit right. T-shirts. We mm-hmm. get enough people who click on the ads, who watch our videos that have mm-hmm. the embedded ads that give us money. Yeah, we yeah. get all that going on, uh-huh. and eventually. We have enough money, and there's yeah. probably going to be a big announcement in a couple of weeks. Ooh. Not about money, but about major spoilers. <laughs> uh, but we have enough to where I can move you to... all to a single location. Yeah. And so Matthew isn't having to call in. Matthew's sitting across the table hey, from hey, us. Hey, hey, so here's hey, the problem hey. if we do that. Then when I say some snarky, your old Matthew comment, he can just hit me. And I don't want that. He's, exactly. he's got to get up from he's the couch. He's got to get, get up first. Get up from the couch. He's got to get up from the, the couch room. first. No. Just go and smack some sense No, in I him. don't. I will ball up my fist and whack you upside the head. <laughs> Welcome you to the Major Spoilers me. Podcast. I have a helicopter now. Yeah, yeah, those things won't be allowed. So those awesome. things won't be allowed in the office. No, no, false. That's the only way we will communicate in the People office. People are like, oh, Stephen, what would you do if you had all this money? It's like, I got a plan. Trust me. Trust me. I've got a plan. I've carried us this far. Yes. Right? It's like we trust. Yeah, boy, you then, should. I, I think. I think. There. I. I really hope that 2013. My plan is to make it as good as or better than 2010. Was 2010 good? We've year? been watching. 2010 riots. was a really good year for us. Um, I thought. Cool. Twenty floors. We did a lot in 2010, and we're going to do a lot again in 2013. Let's we're already bringing back the want list. Giddy up. Want list was in 2010. Everybody loved that. Yeah. We've got some other changes coming. We've got. We've got more podcasts. That was that are 2010. Coming. I know that's that's the sad thing is that was done in the fall of 2010, and now in the spring You've of 2013, the winter of 2013, we're bringing it back. That's the that's the rough part. Are you excrementing me? No, I am not. Not at all. You can go back into the RT, uh, go over to our YouTube page, Major Spoilers Video, and um, you but, can check that out and see the 2010 date. And it's funny because. In 2011, I was like, "Oh yeah, this will come back. This will come back." And there were real plans to bring it back. Uh, and then I got so busy towards the end of the year, couldn't do it. And then last year in 2012, I kept saying, "We are bringing it back. We are bringing mm-hmm. it back." In fact, uh, Zach had taken an independent study yeah. class with me in the fall. Uh, that that is what we were going to do. And there's some other things that I can't talk about because those still might come to pass. But we just couldn't get schedules to line up. Mm-hmm. No, he got an incomplete. He didn't yeah. do any work on it, so he's working on it now. Yeah, so he can erase <laughs> that incomplete. Trying to get my grades up. That didn't uh, screw up your uh, GPA, did it? Apparently not, because no. you got financial aid this yeah, semester. Yeah, no, so. no, no, no. I yeah, an I doesn't affect your GPA. No, I don't think, in, I don't think it affects I, it at all. It, it can if you have a pretty low GPA, because that's not counted into your oh, overall no. score. So no, I had. Fine. I uh, had the John Blue Tarts zero point zero. That's pretty and sad. And I still got my financial aid. That's pretty sad. Damn. That's not true. Either. I actually graduated summa cum laude. Ooh, baby. Look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do a segment of Zach on film. Zach on film. Zach on film. I still, the big do, one. Do, do. I still need film. somebody to please, please, please give us a... Uh, 
not necessarily a parody, but record the uh, girls on film music with no other lyrics but the Zach on film stuff. Because mm-hmm. I've got a great voiceover for Zach to go over the top of that, mm-hmm. and that would be our, that would be a great intro for uh, the Zach on film. I, I know Nate Matthew. I feel like he sings enough on the show that he should just do it. <laughs> I sing all the time. I'm constantly singing. Good. It's one of the reasons why I have a car. What? So people won't hear me singing. Oh. So we're looking at the list. So, again, this uh, this came about, the Zach on film came about because I, and Rodrigo and I have had discussions about this, and I think Matthew's joined in, where I lament that um, here I'm trying to teach kids about film theory and history and um, trying to get them to apply that knowledge to current projects, mm-hmm. you know. And I say, well, so how many of you have seen the movie Die Hard? And nobody will raise their hand. Or I'll say, so how many of you have seen Star Wars A New Hope? Nobody will raise their hand, or one person will raise their hand. It's because they'll be like, it's Star Wars, not Star Wars, New Hope, Stephen. <laughs> or I'll ask how many of you have seen, and the one that kicks this off is Citizen Kane. Um, and, of course, Zach has been forced to watch that by now. <laughs> yep. But uh, I did some research, and I came up with this big, long list of uh, movies that are considered some of the best movies from the cinematic storytelling perspective, both in technique and narrative. And I've shared this list with my classes for a number of years. And uh, as Zach has joined the uh, the staff and I start bringing these up again, he's like, no, I haven't watched it. No, I haven't watched it. No, I haven't watched it. I am now forcing him to watch them each week, share his Yay. thoughts, his ideas, and we will discuss the importance of these books. Or I'm sorry, not these books, these movies in the grand scheme of things. And most importantly for Zach as growth, how he's going to apply them or what he can learn from them to apply to his future projects. Yay. So, this week, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg's uh, sci-fi epic, released in 1977, that tells the story of an average person who has an encounter with something. Something strange. Excuse me. Excuse me. Before I was an interpreter... Yes. <laughs> I used to read maps, and I'm almost certain that this first number is a longitude. What? We better go down to the, uh, the what's the, uh, the guy's office, the guy's and, office and steal his giant globe, because yes. that has latitude and longitude yeah. down to the very second that will take That's us right. to uh, Devil's Balaban Tower. right there, kids. So, um, Richard Dreyfuss plays, uh, um, what's his name? Roy Robert Neary. Roy Neary, who uh, has this encounter, and he's... Something possesses him to uh, go across country to find out its meeting. And along the way, he meets a bunch of different people and they have adventures. And Zach, tell us about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So Close Encounters of the Third Kind follows, pretty much follows a one man throughout the entire uh, film. And it starts out, well, actually it starts out in... A desert in mm-hmm. Gobi Desert. Gobi or, desert. No, I'm sorry, Mexico first. Yeah, Mexico first, and there's a squadron of planes that inexplicably just appeared out of nowhere, and that's confusing, and everyone's confused. Yep, and uh, then we cut back to Indiana. Yeah, that's where the that's where this takes place. Yeah, yes, Indiana. And Indonesia. A boy is playing, and hears some stuff mm-hmm. and we kind of get the picture he's seeing some stuff and just starts taking off down out, out out his farmhouse and just keeps running 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 his mom's chasing him and then we get the main central character that eventually we will follow and he's out checking some lines for his company mm-hmm. and he has an encounter with a ship that beams him like it shines a bright light on his car and then he's eventually on the road and some ships fly over him and then the craziness starts he gets a sunburn from all this and he starts acting uh loopy and he keeps drawing or he keeps seeing this shape in shaving cream and builds one in his mashed potatoes this means something yeah yeah. what does it mean and he's not really sure and then Adventure happens, and they get to Wyoming. Yeah, they eventually end up at uh, Devil's Tower, Wyoming. He and the um, the mother of this kid. Mother, this kid is actually abducted. Jillian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, Jillian, uh, the boy is is actually kidnapped or abducted by mm-hmm. the aliens, and so she has drive to get out there to try to see if she can find out what's happened to her son. Um, uh, Rhaenyra um, ends up being integrated and find out that the government really knows what's going on and knows a lot more of what's right. going on than what they've led the public to believe. And um, you know, it culminates with this huge encounter with the mothership, and probably one of the most interesting um sequences in a film where they're communicating via light and music and we get the five tone yeah yeah uh, that was really uh, and they're in uh, yes that yeah, scene yeah. was awesome yeah when they're all india that is india yeah, yeah there's india, a scene in india and now they didn't think this yeah uh, yeah. Uh, it, it still sends shivers up and down my spine. This movie came out right around. This is, in my opinion, at the height of the UFO craze of the 70s. Now, there have been other UFO um, peaks since then. But the 1970s, it was all over the place uh, with what is out there, what's going on. Um, Project Blue Book was that information was just being released. And Project Blue Book was a uh, government program to go out and to try to investigate and if so, debunk uh, a lot of these UFO hmm. cover-ups. And there was actually a TV series that came out 78, 79, something like that, I want to say, called Project Blue Book, where they were actually mm-hmm. reenacting um, cases from the Blue Book files. And right. there were actually a couple of them where they ended the episode going, we don't have an answer for this. A lot of times they were like, oh, yeah, this was just smoke or swamp gas or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple of times in those episodes they were like, we have no idea what this means. So... Obviously, Steven Spielberg is drawing a lot of inspiration uh, from this and is using it to tell something that I think Steven Spielberg attempts to do and more often than not does it very well. Tell very personal tales of, you know, not a big government, although, you know, the originally this was supposed to be a government person. The Roy Neary character was supposed to be a government person, um, but they reworked it and rewrote it down to Joe American. Right. And um, well, and also he was he was wanted Steve McQueen for the role. Oh, yeah. Steve McQueen was originally cast and McQueen. Can was you like, imagine that would have been well, but how they much also different that movie. Would I know be with Steve who McQueen. else? Not only Steve McQueen, Dustin Hoffman, Jack Nicholson. Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. I mean, the list goes on and on of the people wow. that Steven Spielberg Pacino. really wanted. What's that? Yeah. Pacino. Yeah. Pacino. I mean, can you imagine Pacino? Who? <laughs> Oh my this god. Means something. This means this something. Or you know there's the the scene where um um Neary flips out and he's going and he's grabbing the garbage and throwing it into the house. Yes. I mean, you can, here's Roy. I mean that just mm. would never have worked out well with anyone else and Richard Drive has oh, obviously working on jaws just bothering Steven Spielberg to death. Let me let me play this part. Let me play this part. Let me play this part. And finally convinced Steven Spielberg to cast him in the role. Uh, and it created a very interesting, different character. Any, I mean, uh, I just, I don't know how well-known Richard Dreyfuss was. Obviously, Jaws, a big blockbuster. He was in American Graffiti, George Lucas's movie, and a number of other stuff. But I mean, Jaws da- was one of the biggest movies of all time in 76. Oh, yeah, in 76, yeah. Um, but he, wa- I mean, Jaws invented the blockbuster, um, the summer blockbuster. Yeah. Um, so he so was a well-known name. But I mean, I he just, toad. I think the... I think um, a Hoffman or a Nicholson or somebody like that would have overshadowed the part. Mm-hmm. And I think Richard Dreyfus is still a relatively minor, I want to say minor actor, but not as famous as the others at this point. I mean, a known name, but not, not one flew over the cuckoo's nest or you're nice. trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson, kind of popular at this time. Mm-hmm. I would say so. Um, so, I mean, Steven Spielberg talked, who was it, Columbia, into uh, financing this, and he originally thought he was going to do it for like $2.5 million. It eventually bloomed to $19 million <laughs> and basically mm-hmm. was bankrupting the company uh, because of all the practical effects they were doing. We'll mm-hmm. talk about the effects here in a little yeah. bit. But um, when that movie opened, it in that summer made something like $170 million domestically and over 190 million internationally. So it made close to $300 million in that year that it was released and really pulled the company out of bankruptcy. 
and put it back on that on the uh, on the on track thanks to this one movie. And um, I'm interested. What did you think about this? I mean, this is a movie that came out long before you were born. Yes. This is really steeped in events yeah. that were going on in in the 70s, because, I mean, today, if you watch this stuff, it's like, why don't they just get a cell phone? Why don't they just go and, and call up their satellite data and see where, <laughs> you know, where this stuff is happening? Yeah. Why are why is everyone freaking out about this this gas scare that's going on? So I'm so, interested to see what your thoughts are. It was interesting because we talked about Super 8 a couple of weeks ago. Right, 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 right. And how much that was a, a Spielberg love right. letter from Abrams. And mm-hmm. I never realized it until I watched this. Right. Because Super 8 is this movie. It is. kids. It is. In nowadays. It well, is. Not even nowadays because that was like in the 60s, I guess, too. Or 80s or whatever it was. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, it, the 60s or the 80s. One of those one old of, times. One of those olden times. Uh, this get up I, share. <laughs> that's why we can't be in the same building. This I, <laughs> this I really like this movie. Um, oh man, just the so, practical lighting and the right. lighting, and the practical effects, and just the overall story. I felt like after I was, I was watching it, I was mad at my parents for never showing this to me. This as a mm-hmm, kid, mm-hmm. And I feel like I would have just eaten this up when I was little. Here's here's what I like. Here, it was a scene that for, I mean, I watched this, I mean, the minute that it first aired on television. So like in probably 1979 or something mm-hmm. and every time it would air and every, and as soon as it came out on VHS and then when it came out on DVD and then later in Blu-ray and, and you know, now available on iTunes, um, I watched it all the time. And one of the things that annoyed the crap out of me was the fact that Neary could never get a handle on his kids because mm-hmm. when we first meet Neary, here he is working in his living room on his uh trains. Right. He's a, he's all fascinated by the model mm-hmm. trains. And they're watching the 10 commandments on TV and Terry Gar who plays his wife is trying to have a conversation with him and with the kids at the same time and here he is working on his trains and those kids are out of control. They're yelling, they're screaming, they're jumping, they're banging things around and throughout that whole scene I'm like fudge, can't these kids <laughs> shut the f up? Yeah. And it wasn't until probably I don't know. I was out of college. When I had my own kids. Well, really, when I had my own kids, yeah. I mean, you have a lot more perspective when you have your own kids. But it was after I was out of college that I was sitting and watching that again for pure analysis, uh, not just pure viewing enjoyment, mm-hmm. but pure analysis, where I was like, oh, this is how families are, or a lot of families are. And in 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 this case, Spielberg's talking about this middle-class family right. and just – this is that slice of life that we're seeing. And just even though the kids are these minor characters and, uh, yep. you know, the and I mean, it, it is just here's a slice of life of this family. And it's so spot mm-hmm. on. And if you were to drop into you're lucky, cause Zach, when you and, and Rodrigo come over, the boys are already heading to bed. So they're <laughs> calmed down. But, you know, if you see them after they eat dinner and they're running around yelling and screaming and doing all this stuff, you'd be like. Can't you get your kids out of control, under control? And it's just like, here's that slice of life. There's, you know, later on when, when it becomes apparent that Neary has lost his job because of this UFO obsession, because he um, can't communicate with his kids. His, one of his kids has a breakdown and just flips out. Yeah. Um, but you go into their rooms and the rooms are littered with crap everywhere. And it's like, oh, slice, of, you know, it's a, that is right. really a slice of life. And I think that Spielberg was able to capture that really, really well to the point that in uh, Richard Dreyfuss's first encounter with the UFO, he's sitting at the railroad crossing and all of a sudden it gets really quiet. And then, you know, the UFO, he sees the, the mailboxes vibrating and shaking and then the train track uh, crossing is going crazy. And then he looks up and there's this big bright light beaming down and then everything in his car essentially explodes. And it's not mm-hmm. like it is a, it doesn't feel like a camera car. It doesn't feel like a movie prop car. I mean, it's got cigarette butts. It's got maps. It's got junk everywhere in that car that you would expect from an average working person right. of the 1970s. And so it just makes everything feel so real. Just like when you said the India scenes, you know, really did something to you because yeah, yeah. they have that, that element in there. So I think that's one of the things that Steven Spielberg does really well. And I'll go on record as saying that... As far as Steven Spielberg films go, and I'm not talking about 
collaboration films because still Raiders, I think, is a much more superior film than uh, Close Encounters. But that was a Lucas Spielberg right, collaboration. Right. As far as Spielberg films goes, this is my favorite Spielberg film of all mm. time. Um, not only it's for a number of reasons, the characterization, the story right. that's telling. And I, you know, I, I dig on the UFOs and the conspiracy theories, the adventure theme, the quest to find something more in life that's that's out there. The Kinda music, like the cursed earth. Yeah, the, there, there is this. Uh, the music in there, John Williams' music, and the five tone theme that he creates, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, uh, this is just a, a really great combination of of what goes on. As far as the effects go, these are all practical effects. Yeah. And that is again stunning, because cool. in 1977. They're building the giant mothership. And if you look closely, you will see R2-D2 stuck to the bottom of the mothership. Really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, and um, and so, you know, that mothership had to be lit. All those clouds pouring out is um, is a water tank that they're filming and they're pouring pine saw into. Right. And the pine saw pouring into and, and spreading out creates that cloud effect that they used when the clouds are coming around Devil's yeah. Tower. Um, just the miniatures that they use, the practicals that they use, um, it's, it's stunning on what they're, what they're able to do. Um, and the, uh, the music is just wonderful. I heard it again today. I was listening to Pandora (laughs) and a bunch of John Williams music came up and I was just like, oh, this is brilliant stuff. Matthew, what do you think of the close encounters of the third kind? What would you like to add to Zach's knowledge at this point? Well, when I was a kid, I was around your age or so. A little bit younger. A little older. I think you were a little younger. I might have been 11. Might have been 10. My mother had cable. And I didn't (laughs) I'm wondering if you're going to tell the same story that I was going to tell, but go ahead. I would go, and um, there was this thing that would come on HBO. Yep. And it would be the HBO logo in space, and you'd be do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And I would always get goosebumps when that happened. And the one of the very first times that I remember seeing that do 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 da 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 and then the HBO comes out of space, and then we cut to this movie, mm-hmm. and I sat and watched this whole movie, and it was the extended edition at the time. This was probably eighty two, maybe. So the movie had been, you know, oh yeah, it's out as already big success, out, yeah, and then out again, and now it was coming to cable as the special edition. Mm-hmm. And I sat and I watched this, and afterwards I was just like, I have to pee. So (laughs) I went to the restroom and I realized that I had sat there for the better part of like two hours. Yeah, it's over two hours. Needing to use the restroom. Needing to use the restroom, but not wanting to look away from this movie. And the version that I saw is the version that has the ending where we see what happens after Neary you know, makes his way to Devil's Tower right. and gets involved and actually agrees to go into space. Right. And then it has that incredibly long credit sequence mm-hmm. with When You Wish Upon a Star. Right, right. And what goes Just, on inside I mean, and the, and the inside this. sequence of the shot. Yeah. So uh, what are the before I'm it actually alone in the dead of night. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Uh, HBO used to run and I don't and I don't remember where it was because I was at my uncle's house and he had cable and he would be like, I ah, just go watch whatever. So to keep me quiet or whatever, when they were doing yep. things. And I remember seeing some yeah, parody sure. of um, of Close Encounters. And instead it was, you know, this. and this is, again, it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. Neary pulls up. He's trying to find out where he's at. And, of course, you see the you see the, the car headlights come behind him and he waves it around. And um, the truck pulls around and says, you're in the middle of the road, jackass, right? And yeah. so in this parody, and I don't know what parody it was. But the character waves the the lights around, and it's Darth Vader on a chopper going, "You're in the middle of the road." It just drives <laughs> on, and it's just. I saw that. I was like, "Oh, this is I, this is wonderful," and I and I have no idea what Darth this Vader. means. I have no idea what it means, but it had Darth Vader, and then he's got the shaving but it cream means and something. Oh, it was just it was a great parody, and then so it was like a year after that that I got to see <laughs> Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and it freaked me out because here I am. So this would be like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And here is this six year old, even then getting abducted. And that whole scene where the where you never see the aliens. And that's the other thing that that Spielberg does really yeah. well. And I think he learned a lot from Jaws yeah. in that the lesson that he learned from Jaws is that 
you can tell much more of the story and get a lot more reaction out of your audience by not showing the shark as much. And in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, yeah. you don't see the aliens until the very, very end. And there's this scene where, um, uh, what's her, what's the, the, the mom's name? Um, Jillian. Jillian. Oh, and, and the, the little Terry boy. No, 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 no. Jillian is who I'm thinking Jillian of. Jillian was yeah. the mom. And um, they're just in this house and things are going crazy and the lights are flowing around the house and she's worried about her son and her son's like, you know, toys, toys, toys. And he tries to crawl out the dog door and she's trying to grab him back. And then all of a sudden he, she's you can tell that he's literally ripped from her hands and then everything goes dark and she's crying. And it's just like, oh, my God, yeah. this is scary. So, you know, this movie has a little bit of, of horror. It has a little bit of comedy. It has a lot of conspiracy in it. It's got some great storytelling in it. And it's watching this as a 10 year old. I was just like, holy crap, this is good. When yeah. can I see it again? And, and yeah. ABC, ABC would run it about once a year or once every 18 months, they would air it on television. Yeah. Maybe it's every two years. And I would catch it every time. And they'd chop it up. Well, and so that is what, that's the part that, that, that gets the problem. Steven Spielberg really wanted to release Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 1978 because he really felt that he wanted to do more with the special effects. He wanted to do more with the storytelling. He wanted to create so much more. But um, and I guess uh, I want to say, is it Columbia? And I forget who it was. I want to say Columbia um, said, look, we are out of money. This company is in trouble. We have to release this now. And so they went ahead and released it in 77. Of course, yes, yeah, Columbia Pictures became a huge hit. And. Save the company, but Spielberg was still dissatisfied with it. He went back to them and said, I would like to create a director's cut of this film if you'll give me permission to do that. And if you can give me some additional monies now that this movie made so much money, if you'll go give me the monies to go back and um, edit this together. Mm -hmm. And Columbia Pictures agreed and they said on one condition, you have to show the interior of the spaceship. And so that's why at the end of, and I'm going to guess you watch the special edition or the director's cut. Director's cut. Yeah. That's what this is. Why you have that long sequence at the very, very end that shows more of the spaceship near inside with the when you wish yeah. upon a star stuff going on. That was what in Spielberg actually intended. Hmm. And so there's like an additional seven and a half minutes or so added into the film. Um, the television versions have different cuts in it. And I don't remember which one again you've seen because I've seen all three of these four right. of those. If you count the television versions uh, on the television versions, there's a lot more scenes taking place with the, um, with the other people who have had encounters, you know, that big press conference when they're going to talk yeah. about um, Jillian's son being abducted um, and the guy standing up, he goes, I once saw Bigfoot and saw his foot was <laughs> yeah, this yeah. long. That was never in the original theatrical cut. It appeared in the TV cut with a lot more uh, content, but I don't remember if it appeared in with a bunch of extra content mm -hmm. in the, in the one that you watched. Yeah, no, that, that, uh, that scene was in there. That thing was in there. Uh, so that was the director's cut and that was the one that was released a lot. Mm -hmm. And then when they came out on Blu-ray, they released, what is it called? The collector's edition, which includes even more footage, oh, wow. uh, than what was included. Plus like a 101 minute documentary and all this other stuff. It was really good. Worth, worth getting. Um, but that that brings into question, and it may lead to the next film that you you will watch. I don't have it because I think either Rob or Rodrigo have it, and that is, and Matthew jump in uh, the pros and cons of various cuts of a movie. So we'll see a movie that comes out like Blade Runner that's a theatrical release, and then years later the director comes back and oh, says, yeah. you know, if I wanted to go back and do this, this is how I would have edited it together. And so we get a director's cut, or we get a right. special edition cut, or we get a TV cut, or we get a you know, made-for-cable cut, or whatever it is. And I was wondering what, and again, you haven't watched, have you watched uh, various versions of the same film cut different ways? Well, I mean, I've watched oh, yeah, Wars. I mean... Well, I mean, uh, for Zach specifically, I mean, I'm sure you uh, have Star Wars. All the oh, Star Wars, Wars you've seen those? Movies. Okay. There's a, there's a few I've watched. Have you seen the various cuts the of uh, oh, Army of Darkness? I have, uh, yes. And I got to say, the director's cut, don't not, do not like that one of Army of Darkness. What are some pros and cons then? Oh, one, one too many drops. I know. What are some pros and cons, Matthews, of various cuts? School, school young Zach on this. Well, the thing you get is that a movie, in a way, is one of the last real communal experiences in 
nature where you go with a bunch of jack wagons that you don't know or like and you sit and you watch this movie in the theater in theory when you have multiple cuts of it multiple versions you get that bit where say steven really hates the one extra drop and i love it and we're talking well it's about not the just the one really extra drop it's not just the one extra drop it's the whole ending where suddenly in the original it's uh it's it's bruce standing in the in the store saying hey remember shop smart shop s smart and the witch coming and attacking and i wake up in the nuclear fallout future it's a whole different ending right. between those two movies it's a whole different ending but i may love that ending oh yeah some people so it's, do it's something that first of all first of all you have that issue of interacting with different people for me it always struck the one that i remember is meteor abc used to trot out meteor every couple of years and i would watch meteor on abc what was that guy's name the voice of abc oh we had a conversation about that on twitter a couple of weeks ago yeah um, we did I, I forget his name. Guy it was, was yeah, yeah. It was a really good, good voiceover. I forget his name off but, the top of my head, but and he would, and I always remember the way he said Meteor. Mm-hmm. Well, Meteor is a different movie on ABC with more stuff than if you go and rent Meteor. So if you know, when I'm in college, I go and I rent Meteor. And I'm like, this is not the movie that I remember. Mm-hmm. This is not. This is not what I enjoyed when I was a kid. And I'd see that guy going Meteor on ABC. So you get that that kind of a frustration. It's like if you go and you pick up an old book and suddenly there's a different chapter at the end. And, you know, not only does Winnie the Pooh not get out of the hole in the wall, but Tigger goes insane and takes out a Quickie Mart with an Uzi. Maybe not to that extent. I think and I think and this is why I think a lot of Star Wars fans are upset is because they can't get. Well, you have it. Apparently, I, I never got it. Uh, or somebody does the original cut on DVD. Yeah, I have it. Uh, you know that original. That you know, I've got it. I on, yeah, I've got it on the uh, theatrical limited edition Ooh, trilogy yeah. VHS edition. Um, but you know, a lot of people are like, I want a Blu-ray copy where Han doesn't shoot first. Mm. I want to see you know this scene, or I want to see. I don't want to see the special effect. Uh, the the CGI. TIE fighters. I want to see those models flying with the really bad matte yeah. uh, composition, you know, comping going on. Um, and so on the one hand, I think it's it's important that we look at something like a theatrical release, uh, like what people saw in the theaters and what generated so much interest and generated that $300 million, literally taking that movie and generating a hundred times what it cost um, or 10 times what it cost. Um, and then looking and saying, okay, director, we appreciate you. What would you have done differently? And so I can understand seeing a director's cut Uh, and I can understand, Hey, let's throw in, you know, we've gone back and redone all of the graphics. We've made Moss Eisley look so much better. We've gone in and, and taken the spaceship and we've made it all CGI or whatever. And I can understand that. Um, But I think the thing is when we look at different versions of these movies is, Look at them as a complete package, not not what Lucas has done saying this version of Star Wars is the only version I want people to have access to. Right. And you're not allowed to have Han shot first or you're not allowed to see the burning bodies, um, you know, in, when when he gets back home to the farm, um, which I can't remember if those are removed in the enhanced version or not. Um, They're not the last, the last that I saw in the enhanced version, you said. Yeah, maybe some people will ch- jump in, but I just remember in the original you saw those burned bodies and it was yeah. like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people should have access to yeah. all these different versions. And like Matthew says, well, I don't want Star Wars. It's not called A New Hope to me. <laughs> it's not Episode Four. It's just Star Wars. Well, Matthew can have his version. Right. right. Zach can have the one where um, you know uh, Greedo is growing up with Anakin Skywalker. And he can have that version, and I can have the one that's you know the pure version. Uh, and so people can have whichever one they want. Oh yeah, um, you can have the one where it doesn't include the scene of Han Solo interacting with Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there is a Greedo is funnier when you're speaking Japanese, by the way. <laughs> also very racist. Um, <laughs> no, that is my Greedo voice <laughs> in. Now, I don't well, know what Greedo says, so I just speak Babylon right, right, Japanese. Right. Shut up. Well, 
I guess a whole argument could be made about the racism that's in Star Wars that's inherent throughout the entire Star well, Wars six I'll movies. Tell you, in the Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you can get your hands on this, Zach, and I'm not saying this is what you have to watch for next week. Okay. Um, but see if you can get your hands, and I have it, if I can ever get it back from Rodrigo or Brian or whoever has it, <laughs> the Criterion Collection of Brazil. Because Brazil has... Five different versions. I think it's five different. Maybe it's three different versions of the movie plus two bonus uh, DVDs. Mm-hmm. But one of them is the theatrical release. Another is the director's release. Another one is the studio release. And then there's the television release. Interesting. And all four of those are edited differently. And in one case, it actually does have a totally different ending. Well, actually, they all have different endings. Uh, all four of those have different endings. And Which can, one has the super happy ending? Uh, the super happy ending where they drive off at the end, I think, is the not the studio ending. I think that's the television ending one. I'd have to go, but I bet your Wikipedia has uh, has the Brazil. The super happy ending will scare the crap out of you. I have the same <laughs> problem with the butterfly effect. Because I love the ending that they wouldn't let them do. Uh, the one where but, he... And when you watch it on TV, where, yeah, where where he gets to the end and he, uh, he kills spoilers himself, himself in yeah. the spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the TV version is always the one where he's walking down the street and he meets... Uh, oh, yeah, bumps into Tara it. Strong or right. the hell that Right. That's just awful to me. I hate that ending. I do. So what do you think, Matthew? What do you think about all these director's cuts? Do you feel the same way that, you know, release them all and let people gravitate to the one that they want? I think that there's definitely an argument to be made there. But more importantly, the argument is should be made that George Lucas and don't get me wrong, George Lucas owns the rights to the characters oh, sure. and created the movie, mm-hmm. and he's he is well within his rights to futz with the movie. But I think that George Lucas is misunderstanding one of the the things when he says that this this canonical version is the only version that should count. I understand that theory, and I, don't get me wrong, there are days when I say that, but you can't necessarily tell people what they're going to like Mm -hmm. and if you if you're lucas and you say this is the only version that matters well that's not true the version that i saw that didn't have episode four at the beginning in 1977 with my uncle mike that's the version that i think matters now do i remember necessarily the difference between this and the other no i for some reason i seem to remember the jab of the hut sequence being in the movie that i saw i know it wasn't but I believe that I saw it, and my brain has somehow stuck it back in there. Like when we, you know, you think back to hearing M and realize that you're thinking in English. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But more importantly, I think that that's kind of misunderstanding what the viewers bring to a movie. So as a rule, I like having different versions available mm-hmm. to me as a viewer, but I don't necessarily think that each is going to be equally awesome. Oh, no, 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 no. And I think that there's a time where, you know, where you can pick your favorite. I always love the special edition of Close Encounters because if you get to the end and it flies off into space, I kind of don't like that. Even though I'm a Twilight Zone fan, that little O. Henry ending where things could or could not be, I don't like that as much as seeing him step on the spaceship and going, oh, my God, look at all this weird stuff. Yeah. And then we rocket him into space never to be seen again. It, it's funny. Steven Spielberg actually said Steven Spielberg uh, made Close Encounters of the Third Kind before he had kids. And he said that today, if he had made that movie and had had kids, he would not have ever had Neary go onto the spaceship. He would have oh, had him imagine. go back and go yeah. with his family. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that and, is an odd decision. And I guess the, uh, the thing that I would say is that if you're going to make different versions, make them all available. But I'm not saying that you have to make different versions right. of your film. And uh, there was a point where there were films being released with here's the theatrical, here's the directors. And it was like you got those all the time. And I don't think you have to do that. No. Yeah. So this is what I think. Well, that, they were making director's cuts of movies specifically right. so that they could say, here's the director's cut. Right. right. That. <laughs> Like the Dick Donner Superman cut that was so bizarre. Right. That if you're going to make a director's cut, it should be much kind of like this, that he got to show extra. It shouldn't just be, I want to change a few things. It should be, I want to tell a part of the story that I wasn't allowed to due to budget constraints or time constraints or some of the studios. So that's what should a a director's cut. It shouldn't be changing some Mm -hmm. CG or... The director's cut actually introduced that giant ship out in the desert. 
uh, before that, that, that scene with the giant steamer out in the, out in the desert where they find it out there mm -hmm. in the Gobi desert was yeah. not in their theatrical really? release. Yeah. Um, so here's the, here's oh, the big well, important, works. here's the big important question, Zach. What did mm -hmm. you learn from watching Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Did I learn, um, lighting, the mm -hmm. lighting mm -hmm. I thought was extremely well done just from the different, the different types of lighting they had to do due to the spaceships and the craziness of their glowing lights. Mm-hmm and how that would affect the different scenes in the houses and the houses shaking or the... Because there are some scenes you got to get some giant lights to yeah, just yeah. to light it. And it still captured a mood of wonderment, but also what the hell's going on, and I'm kind of scared. Mm -hmm. So that that mood lighting, I think, was really well done. Uh, the score, I think we, have, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, we already talked about, was really good. Um, practical effects, which I think are always amazing mm -hmm. and how something that's actually happening can be is more believable than something that you know is digital even though they've got it oh, they've yeah. got it well enough now that you can fuss the line of is this digital or real but you mm -hmm. mean there's always tell but there's some, these things that mailboxes are actually shaking right. due to something yeah they're shaking, say shaking right. things are flying across the room because mm -hmm. that's what's really happening and so practical effects make a somewhat unbelievable story more believable. Mm -hmm. So that I think as opposed to just CGIing it. Right. Up. Yeah. Right. Um, what's his name? Who did, uh, crap it did Iron Man. What's his direction? John, Favre. John, John Favreau. Um, I'm going to make a recommendation and I know some other people have really been getting into, um, into Zach on film, these segments that we're going to, that yeah. we've been doing. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to encourage you guys to go back and listen to a series of old podcasts from Kevin Smith uh, called um, crap. What is it called? Smoothie makers. You can go oh. find it. It's still on iTunes, but he goes and he sits down with directors and talks about mm -hmm. what was going on in your head and, and doing a, And the Jean Favreau um, episode is really good because he talks about a little bit about practical effects and really? making that transition from practical to digital. And so I'm going to suggest that people go and listen to that because there are some really great ones. Um, he goes and interviews Edgar Wright back in 2010, oh. right after um, um, Hellboy. No, no. Pilgrim. What's his name? Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim came yeah. out. Um, so, so go and I mean, just go and check those out if you haven't checked those if out. If you really want to get some other, I haven't, I haven't listened to those. I'll check those out. But if you're going to get some other film stuff, go listen to this Red State. The Red State podcast Red are really great. I've listened to those multiple times through, and they're yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. I wish you would continue those because yeah. those are really, really good. Um, I forgot where we were at, how, how we got into that. They're practical effects. Oh, practical effects, yeah. Um, so then the, the next question is, what are you going to, from what you've viewed <laughs> and what you've seen in Close Encounters of the Third Kind – how are you going to apply that to your shooting and your your or will you take anything from this movie and apply yeah. it to your style in the future? Yeah. Um. So as a student with no money who would like to eventually make a film someday, I think looking at films that can use practical effects, even though they were done 40 mm -hmm. years ago, they could still pull out practical effects and make a believable story. So being able to use some of that could possibly help budget wise mm -hmm. instead of having to spend hours in a in a edit bay filming some and getting some special effect CGI shot together. If you can figure out ways to work around problems on set and in shoots, mm -hmm. which I think was a lot of practical effects, just figuring things out uh would help. A lot. Here, here's something for you to also do. It's an exercise um, that I've heard a couple of people try, and it, I had been I had done it a couple of times without hearing other people recommending doing it. Mm -hmm. But take a scene and do the inverse. Go back and storyboard out every shot mm -hmm. as close as you can. So go in and, and for example, the Neary scene from the moment that he's in his car driving all the way to uh, the point where. Um, he meets um, he meets Jillian mm. and just storyboard that out and just look at all of the shots that are taking place in that sequence in that, I guess it's like a three and a half, four minute sequence, yeah. all the shots that are used in there and look at how the camera is staged and how they, they keep track of the 180 degree rule or the axis line throughout um, where they cross it, how they cross it. And I think you'll find some great, 
you know, just, um, what is it called? Um, reverse engineering right. the scene and how it's edited together. I think you'll find some very fascinating things in there as well. So good, Zach. Good. I'm glad you, uh, got something out of it. Hopefully it's something that you'll kind of keep in mind as you go forward in your movie making expertise. Of course. Of Anything course. else you want to add? Uh, the ladies were hot in this film. 1970s ladies, they're Terry good. Gar. I liked them. They're good looking. Terry uh, Gar. Terry Gar was hot. Uh, Francois Truffaut. What else? What else? Truffaut. Should have written more Bob stuff Bob down. Bad, <laughs> That's it. Fire bad, tree pretty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that concludes then, I guess, this episode of Zach on Film, except for what will Zach watch next? Oh, no one knows. So a lot of people are like on Twitter, a lot of people on Twitter are like, hey, um, can we make suggestions? Well, you can make suggestions as soon as we get Zach through these hundred other films that he has to watch. (laughs) Um, But I do know that, I do know that, uh, I'm not going to have him go around with a dork hanging out. Uh, I do know that uh, Otter Disaster uh, was mighty taken aback by everyone's reaction to duck soup. I think duck soup is very funny. And he says, Oh, you guys should really, you guys should really hit duck soup. So next week, Zach, Marx brothers, we're going from the 1970s all the way back to the 1930s. Oh my gosh. You're going to watch a Marx brother. I don't know if I wouldn't say that this is their best Marx brother movie, but you're going to see one of the best examples of a Marx brother movie. It's one of the more iconic. Yes. Duck soup. Duck soup. This is Fredonia, right? Duck soup. Hail, hail, Fredonia. Um, <laughs> go check it out. Nineteen thirty-three. Fire. Nineteen thirty-three. Um, yes, go check it out. They got guns. We got guns. Duck soup. Yes, Duck Soup. It is available on iTunes. Okay. And listeners, if you want to participate, go over to iTunes. And I wish we had a. Um, I wish we had a uh, iTunes like code or something that you could use, but we don't. But it is it is worth uh, going and checking out this duck soup. Right? Duck soup, All right? Starring Groucho Marx, Harpo Marx, remember, Chico Marx, Zeppo Marx. While you're out there risking life and limb, we'll be in here thinking what a sucker you are. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be there. It'll be funny next week. Hail, hail, Fredonia. Now, I'll give you a hint, Zach. Yes. As you hear the Hail, Hail, Fredonia song. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a big fan. You're a young kid. You watch Phineas and Ferb, right? Yeah. Okay, so remember the episode where Doofenshmirtz decides to create his own island, continent, country? No. Zach, <laughs> damn it. Yes, of course I remember I that episode. I remember that, Steve. Oh, yeah, there's this one. Not all of us have memorized everything. <laughs> he builds a giant inflatable country yeah, that, that he's going to rule over to impress his, to not only impress his daughter, but also to impress his ex-wife. And he <laughs> sings a song that is almost a direct takeoff of Hail Fredonia. All right. So go check that out. Steven? Yes. Get a taxi. If you can't get your taxi, you can leave in a huff. Ah, I'm going to use the sanity clause. Sanity clause. Everyone knows there's no such thing as a sanity clause. Everybody knows there's no sanity clause. Via duck. Why not? Oh, boy. So much great stuff <laughs> coming out of the market. I was going to ask for the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know what, listeners? Here's the next thing. Um, what would you think? And I know that there's a lot of podcasters that do this. I know that there are... A lot of people that do this, but what would you think? I know a lot of people liked our still unfinished Cowboy Bebop commentaries, but what would you think if we sat down and provided a commentary on these films? So we would say, hey, we're getting ready to play Duck Soup now, and we hit play, you hit play, and you watch, and we make our commentaries, and you can listen Mm -hmm. along and watch along, kind of like our own, well, it is, our own commentary track. Let us know if you're interested in that. And then the next question would be, would you pay 99 cents for a commentary track? I know some podcasters are like $4.99, $1.99, $15.99. Would you go in for a 99 cents commentary track bonus? It's not taking away from anything Zach on film or major spoilers or anything like that, but just a bonus for those people who are interested. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Use the comment section over at majorspoilers.com. I Send object. us. You can't object. You're out of order. I'm out of order. The whole court is out of order. Um, I couldn't think of anything else to say. 
Objection sustained. <laughs> sustaining the objection. I couldn't think of anything else to say either. Um, but let us know if you would do that. You can uh, use the comment section. Obviously, you can send us an email at podcast at majorspoilers.com or call the Major Spoilers hotline at 785-727-1939. And, uh, and let us know because that will judge what maybe what some of the things that we will do in the future. If, it, if it's, you know, we try to do a I lot of Major Spoilers. I wanted to get rid of habeas corpus, but I should have got rid of you instead. Um, we try to do a lot at major spoilers, but a lot of it comes down to where's the financials for this coming out, mm. you know, to add Zach into this podcast means a certain amount of money has to be expended in order to get him microphones, headsets, you know, the gear to wire him up. Um, just like assortment, a waitress, assortment of food I ever acquired for every show. Yes. The amount of drinks that he drinks, because remember when Zach and Rodrigo are here, it means the beverages go away twice as Ooh, fast, geez. right? Um, so, you know, all these things get taken into account. And so every time we do a new show or we do something different, um, we have to take that risk analysis or return on investment into it. So, you know, let us know. And again, if you would like to help us out, um, maybe make a donation, a one-time donation or a two or five or $10 a month recurring donation. It's all very much appreciated and it all is used for the greater good of major spoilers. Um, or if you're over at uh, if you're over at uh, Major Spoilers, click on that Amazon link and buy something there. And I forgot to mention it. Our good friends at TweakedAudio.com. They've got some oh, great headphones. Audio. Oh, Zach was saying. Oh yeah, yeah. maybe Stephen can give me a pair. Maybe Stephen will feel good. Has it been nice to me? Zach talks like this. Um, I've got three different pair here. I got three different pair here. I am. I have to check with the manager. Personally, I am partial to these uh, PB earbuds, uh-huh. uh, but I also have a pair of tweaked Parkour 2 earbuds. These mm-hmm. are the ones that really fit down and, and uh, go into your ear. Yeah. Which ones did you... Oh, I've got two pair of the Parkour 2 earbuds. And of course, we are giving away a pair... Ooh. Whoops, bang oh. the mic. We're giving away a pair bang of the, the uh, natural V3 earbuds, the wooden earbuds, uh, over at the... Um, Dueling Review Podcast for nice. someone who can come up with the best out tag for that show. So I'll let you take a, take your pick on All which right. one of those three that you want. And listeners, if you want to check out your own pair of tweaked audio headphones, head over to tweakedaudio.com. Bunch of different styles, bunch of different varieties, a bunch of different colors, and they're changing all the time. But here's the best part. When you check out, use the code MAJOR when you check out, and you will get 33% or one-third off uh, the price of uh, these... Uh, these earbuds. I've still been using those PB uh, earbuds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wonderful. Now, the jelly, that eh, doesn't work so well. But the, PBs, the PB earbuds mm-hmm. work Those fantastic. We thank our friends over at TweakedAudio.com. Uh, also, notice on these, Zach, yes. inline microphone. Yes. So you hook this up to your Android device or to your, yes. uh, what I've been using on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. A call comes in. You don't even have to stop playing your music. You just answer the phone, the inline mic. You can have your conversation. Beautiful. As soon as the phone calls over, you hang up. You're right back into your music again. So Dang. thanks I to our friends over at TweakedAudio.com. Should take my financial aid and go buy an iPhone. Uh, no, you probably should not. <laughs> of course, you're getting a free education by listening to Zach on film. And I know some people are using that. I know some people once somebody wrote to, to us this past week and said, hey, I'm use I really like Zach on film. I'm uh, using uh, I've been having a required movie list for my godson. And so he said this um, this show gives him a lot of ideas and some other things that he can do and maybe nice. some assigned listening to his godson. Um, I have a question, Matthew, and maybe this I don't know what we're kind of running out on time. Zach keeps looking at his watch like, oh, my girlfriend's going to kill me if I don't get home in the next five. No, not my, not my girl, my parents. Jeez, you guys know how late I'm out right now? Past your curfew? What's curfew in Hayes? I don't know. 8.30? <laughs> they roll up the streets at 9. Here, here's the cool thing about these uh, earbuds that you have, Zach. And that's, yes. uh, you, you may want to wait till you get home. That oh, okay. They come with the different, those little rubber pieces. Yeah. Those are various styles, various sizes to fit your ear canal. So you can nice. find the size that fits you exactly. Good. I have very specific ears. Do you? I don't know. I, I hear every ear is unique among all of us. <laughs> I, I was wondering, Matthew. Specific I was wondering, uh, people. That's a good a quarter cigar. I smoke it the other three quarter <laughs> myself. Um, if we, you had a really great question. We may do this on a on a top five in the future about uh, what properties need to be translated into a, a comic book. But I was wondering what property mm-hmm. mashups would really work well together, and that we would like to see. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, you know, I kind of dig on those Parker tales. 
uh, Richard Starks Parker, mm-hmm. uh, the series you may have seen it from uh, yeah. Darwin Cook uh, worked on that. Uh, Zach, um, and Parker is not a. Uh, we talked about him as our favorite uh, criminals episode of Top Five. Oh, yeah. You may remember that episode, Zach. I do remember that episode. Uh, um, Zach. <laughs> uh, um, but I was thinking, you know, what makes you know Parker is not a likable. I mean, he's not a good person, but he's a likable character, and he does a lot of things that are out of the ordinary, but. Um, I was thinking, what would what would happen if you take if you took Parker and you replaced Parker with Catwoman? And so you did the whole role reversal, but you made it Catwoman instead of Parker. Would the story still work as well? And I think they might maybe make even Catwoman more of an interesting character than uh, the way maybe she's being done right now. Do you have any property mashups, Matthew, that you would like to see? Along oh, that I same have vein, tons of them. And I don't oh, mean, yeah. and I don't I mean, and I don't mean uh, X Men meet Power Rangers or Star Trek meets Power Rangers or Batman meets Power Rangers. I'm not talking about that necessarily, but okay. I mean, if you wanted to First do that, of all, stop saying Power <laughs> Rangers. You keep accusing me of watching Power Rangers, and I watch Super Sentai. All right, Super Hentai versus so, Batman. Secondly, <laughs> actually, we've seen that. It's called Catwoman Number One. Now. Back in the world of people who are not quasi-racist, I have a couple that I've always wanted to see. I've always thought that it would be really awesome to do a Transformers Knight Rider crossover. Mm, Okay, where Kit is actually a Transformer. imagine how weird that would be. No, Kit is not a Transformer, but he's mistaken for one. Oh. Right? So, Michael Knight is driving along and Megatron flies down out of the sky and tries to capture Kit, right? And then you get the whole thing, and then Optimus Prime shows up, and you get that nice thing where Optimus Prime is there. And, importantly, you got to throw in Carr. Right. Because Carr, the evil version, was voiced by Peter Cullen. Right. Also known as, say it with me, Optimus Prime. Optimus this, Prime. Is, this is, I mean, this is a well-rife with potential. So so I wonder, Bumblebee would the, would the Transformers consider Kit, they're kind of like, special friend like their special yeah special special <laughs> would they like consider him special yeah because he can't <laughs> yeah. transform but he's I, he talks i mean would they take pity upon him well, would 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 like the with the big with the big ending but it, would the big ending arc be where optimus prime is like kid if you would like you can become one of us you can become a transformer and then he's like oh no thank you very much no <laughs> I, I, I want to remain good. myself. And... I think I do very well on my own, Optimus Prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that Optimus, Optimus would not be the one who would treat Kit as a special, re- as, <laughs> yes. as a, someone who was, you know, less, yes, less, less than lesser. No, Optimus would not be, but Bumblebee would. Oh, really? And Michael Bay would. But I think <laughs> it would be interesting to see, you know, what would be really awesome, all right? Let's say that you cross over the Avengers with a certain 80s crime show and Wonder Man is researching a role where he's going to play a P.I. And he goes to to find Rick and A.J. and you can call it Simon and Simon and Simon. Uh Zach, what about you? That was a good one. Do you have some properties that you think might work jokes, well? Oh, uh, we need to man. hire some better writers. Hence our two dollar, a five dollar, ten dollar a month recruitment. <laughs> <laughs> Property mashup. Hey, don't insult our writers. <laughs> man, I generally. I think... mean, would you like to see like um, I don't know, Pokemon meets uh, <laughs> Gokaiger? No, that would be awful. No, I wouldn't <laughs> about, want to uh, see that Ma- at all. What's Maverick that again? Meets the Rockford. Well, see, but that would be really weird because Maverick would not have been alive in the seventies. Time travel? No, time that's what ruins it. Although I do like your idea of seeing a Jim Rockford comic book. I think that might actually work really, really well. But I mean, there were actually see, times I where think- Rockford, you know, meta. I mean. To an extent, Magnum, I mean, you could argue that the uh, character that Tom Selleck played on Rockford Files was Magnum. Um, but I really love the um, Simon and Simon Rockford File crossover. That one worked really, really well. Yeah. I know. I'm a Rockford the nerd. Sorry. 
the Punisher goes underground, right? And he hears about these mysterious criminals, and it turns out that it's his former commanding officer, that would be Colonel cool. Smith. That would actually work out really well, too. But I wonder if, um, because uh, A-Team really never killed anybody, I wonder if the Punisher would be, like, just disgusted with what Hannibal has become. <laughs> Do you, do, you, do you people ever shoot to kill or yeah, what? Yeah, I, I just would imagine there would have to be that line somewhere in there because people would be like, well, everyone knows yeah. the A-Team doesn't kill anybody. They just mm-hmm. maim and well, destroy. And the Punisher's like, you sicken right. me, Hannibal, with what you've become. Yeah. Knowing, as we do, that Battlestar Galactica takes place in the past. Right. What if what? The Galactica got lost and on Tatooine? that would be more that would be more interesting the one that's Battlestar Galactica that would be more interesting to see not necessarily how the heroes and the heroes got along but more so how the Cylons and the Empire would interact yeah Mm. the Cylons and the Stormtroopers (laughs) that would be cool and then, of course, you'd fly over them. With but these are more crossover. Then they'd explode. <laughs> but this is more crossover talk, right. not necessarily mashing up the property, like replacing Parker with Catwoman and telling those stories. Mm. Oh, is that what a mashup is? Yeah, not necessarily a crossover. Oh, it's not a crossover. Just smashing stuff together. <laughs> mashup. A mm. mashup. Oh. Zach is at a loss, and, and I guess I this is know. the point where I'm we... Where we ask you, the listener, to chime in. We started this conversation. I asked the question. If you could replace Tim Watley from Seinfeld with Walter White from Breaking Bad. Oh. Now that would be... And then change the entire structure of Seinfeld to be around Tim Watley. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Zach. What? <laughs> so you're saying turn Seinfeld into <laughs> Breaking Bad, bad. <laughs> but instead of being yeah, so what instead you're saying of being, is no, Breaking no, no, Bad is the greatest show. No, 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 no. So instead of Tim Watley uh, making meth now because he's right, still right. he's still a dentist, right? So now he gets into like the the diamond smuggling business. Oh, well, there you go. And I mean Jerry and George really aren't in it anymore at this point. Because it doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> he he uh, <laughs> he tried to use their he ground up their bodies in the upstairs bathroom, uh, not realizing that the chemicals would cause the floor to melt through. No, more Spo- like that's a big spoiler. Though, <laughs> that's for a anybody. big spoiler. Oh man, uh, more like wow. Elaine decided to go on one of those weird trips with one of those weird like psychiatrist boyfriends. Be- oh she yeah, gets, she becomes and the, she gets a bunch mule. of diamonds. Yeah. And then Newman gets involved with it because he, he, he starts postal service and Jerry finds out about it. And he's like, Newman. And, <laughs> and then and then Kramer protests something. Gets his hand cut off. Oh, Pro- spoiler. God dang, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. And I haven't even gotten to that episode yet. So there you go. <laughs> Can't be that big of a spoiler Jeez. if I already know about it and oh, I haven't even God. seen the show. You still haven't watched? Have you watched uh, the first episode of Breaking Bad yet, Matthew? <laughs> have you watched yeah. the? No, go watch but it. But I just saw a picture of Maurice LaMarche and it freaked me right out. Okay, <laughs> listeners, we have started the conversation. We want you to continue it over at Majorspoilers.com. Follow the link in the show ooh, notes, ooh, or if you're over, over at Major one. Spoilers right I now, got one. Click on it. Yes, go ahead, Matthew. What if the sixth friend wasn't Phoebe, but was in fact Pinky from Pinky in the Brain? <laughs> what? what are we going to do tonight, Joey? The same, same thing, thing we, we do, do every, every night. night. <laughs> Try the, to pick no, up girls. Sit in the coffee shop and what? talk about stuff? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now you got it. Now you got it, Matthew. Two and two point yes. That's what a ma- okay. That's what a mashup is, <laughs> but not not necessarily so, for the funny. Okay. I mean, seriously, go back and read the the uh, the the Parker story where they robbed the entire town, and tell me that Catwoman wouldn't be interesting in that role. That's if that's Tony all I'm saying. Chu becomes Batman. Okay, I can see that, and he has money now. And so he can afford to buy a bunch of beats, but then (laughs) 
he still decides to try to like bite some people, and he could bite like a he could bite Joker, and he just turns crazy. That'd be fun. There you go. All right. Majorspoilers.com is the website. Major Spoilers is the podcast. We've also got some other podcasts you might want to check out. Yesterday, Matthew and I recorded a, uh, a, a dueling review of Black Beetle Number 1 from Dark Horse Comics and Francesco Francovia. You want to go back and listen to that. You also want to check out our uh, Munchkinland podcast. Check out our Munchkin Minute. Uh, we've got uh, the top uh, top uh, five podcast, top five criminals, the last one. Yeah. I don't know what our next one's going to be. Neither do we, apparently. Nope. Um, and Critical I Hit, uh, Major Spoilers Dungeons & Dragons podcast, and be sure to check out our YouTube channel, Major Spoilers video, with the want list. And next time on the Major Spoilers podcast, hopefully Rodrigo is feeling better and will be joining us, and we will be talking about the trouble with girls. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save some bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the rack. And although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he'd make me wait out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Away. If I was hulking green or gray, I could bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would you bag and board your comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Major spoiler, yeah, 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 yeah. What a major spoiler. Major spoilers is copyright 2013. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.